as we dive back into Acts chapter 3, um, that's really the focus of what today is. Let me give you some just groundwork, just so you'll kind of have the context and understand where we're at and what's going on. Uh, if you've got your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there as I'm speaking. But in, in, in this study of Acts, as we've, as we've started out, Jesus told his disciples, hey, you're going to receive power, and when you do, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And our first part of our study, as we've studied through this, the first part of our study was really about how that work began, how it began to be fulfilled, how Jesus' words began to, to come into play or, or, or began to be revealed in the flesh in action. And so we saw Jesus' words come true in Pentecost. We saw the apostles empowered by the Holy Spirit. We saw them speaking in languages that they didn't know. We saw them proclaiming the works of God. We saw them pro- proclaiming the name of Jesus, and we saw people saved. And, that's that, and in that moment, the church was planted, the church was begun, and the work of God, the, God's message, <clears throat> empowered by his power, sent his mission in full motion. It started moving it. And that's what the whole book of Acts is about. It's about gospel movement. It's about God's work happening and God's work moving forward. Uh, on the screen, we've used this drop of water and the ripples that flow out from it because that's really what the gospel does. The gospel makes an impact and it results in change and it causes things to begin to move out from it. And so when Jesus, he came and he, he made this impact in the world, the ripples from that are still going out. And so that's what we begin to see happening in, in, in Acts. And then as we come now to this next chapter in chapter 3, we see how the church began, but it didn't stop. Sure, it started in Jerusalem, but it didn't stop after that day at Pentecost. That gospel just continued to move. The, the power of God continued to flow, and it continued to bring with it change, and those ripples just continued to roll out. Jesus was the catalyst. He was the one that started it, and it was by his power that it continued as he used his apostles. And today, as we come into Acts chapter 3, Actually, we were in Acts chapter 3 last week. I'm, I'm so messed up because I didn't preach that, I, I didn't preach that first message. But, but it, at any rate, here we are. We're in chapter 3, and we've seen something very similar begin to start, just like it did on Pentecost. If you were to take chapter 3 and lay it next to chapter 2, you'd see a lot of similarities. You'd see the power of God demonstrated. The apostles spoke in languages they didn't know. Peter stood up and preached an inspired message. <clears throat> Peter and John Hill, a lame man. Outside of that, after, after that happens in Acts chapter 2, Peter begins to preach and people respond. The message is sent forward and people respond, people are saved. That's exactly what's going to happen today as we study through Acts chapter 3. The power of God's demonstrated. It builds a platform for which they preach from and, and they give the message and it moves God's mission. And so that, 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 same, pair, or that, that same principle or that same flow of things happens over and over and over in the book of Acts. I don't think it's coincidental. I don't think it's coincidental at all. I think it it demonstrates for us a lesson. It's my hope that when people engage us or that when we are speaking with people or sharing life with people that we're living in front of the world, that in in us they see God's power. They see His work revealed in us. And yeah, we don't walk around and tell people that can't walk to get up and walk. It doesn't happen a lot today. And maybe we can't walk up to somebody that's blind and say, now you can see. But every one of us have a story of how God has saved us and how his power has changed us. And how his truth that we didn't recognize before, how, how, how it's brought light into our life and given us new perspective. 
Every one of us that believe in Jesus Christ have been changed. We've been made new. And we recognize that. And it's that power of God that works in us that gives us testimony to be witnesses for Him. And it builds a platform for us. If, as we live in front of the world, it builds a platform for us to begin to proclaim the name of Jesus. It's the same thing happening in Acts. It's the same thing happening today. And so we're just going to jump in. We're going to start reading and, and see, where, see where this takes us. And watch how this unfolds after this amazing miracle is performed. We're going to pick it up in chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 11. And while he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded, I love that word, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. Now just stop for just a second. Let's, let's remember what happened. Peter and John are on the way to the temple. This is a daily, daily thing for them. They're going up to the temple. It's the time for prayer. They're still kind of involving themselves in these traditions that the Jews had. Uh, and, and they're on their way up to the temple, and they're passing by this guy that's always there. He just happens to be there most days. He's, he's, he's a beggar. He's lame. He can't walk. Everybody knows him. They, they recognize him, and he's been there for, for a long time. And they walk by, and he happens to say to them, hey, give me some money. And Peter's like, well, gold and silver I don't have, but this I do. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And this amazing miracle happens. And, 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 and really, I mean, I don't know if you guys stopped and... And, and thought about this last week or not, but, but think about this. I want you to have this picture in your mind. This man's legs were twisted and crooked and bent and broken. It wasn't like he just had straight legs and couldn't walk. They were jacked up. They were broken and twisted over. And the, and the way that the terminology reads in the Greek, when, when, when Peter said, get up and walk, they physically straightened and they came unbroken. And so when they were standing, when people were standing around and watching this, they saw his legs go from all twisted up and broken to straightening out and becoming strong. And so this guy, this, this, this thing happens in front of them. I'm just imagine that picture in your mind. And this guy who has never walked a day in his life. I mean, we got people with babies here. It takes him a year to learn how to do this. He has never walked a day in his life. He stands up and he walks. And he doesn't just walk, but he runs and he jumps. And all of a sudden, he's got strength to do these things because this amazing power has changed him. What do you think is going to happen when people see this? They are going to be utterly astounded. You get that? Those words are powerful. Utterly astounded. Have you ever been just extremely amazed at something? This should amaze you. This idea that something all twisted and broken and, and feeble was straightened out and given strength. And so here this guy is. He's clinging to them. He's hanging on to them. And I'm sure that there's physical contact there. And I'm sure that he's just wanting to be close to them. I mean, imagine. Oh, wouldn't we do the same thing? Don't we do the same thing? People who have made a huge spiritual impact in our lives... Don't, don't you have a special place in your mind and your heart for those people? I, I know that as I think back, and I, I mean, I'm thinking about the whole course of my life, the whole time that I've been here on earth. I didn't become a believer until I was 21. But I think back all of my life, and there's 
people's faces and names that I remember, that, that, that God, I recognize today that God used, that were planting seeds and that were making an impact in my life, even when I was a child. So that when I was 21, I was ready to respond and I, I heard the truth and was ready to respond to, to what he had called me to. So that I was able to, to hear and understand and comprehend. And I look at those people and there's a special connection. There's a special sense or feeling towards them. Even today, as I continue to grow, it's not like I got saved and all of a sudden I don't care about people anymore or no one ahead of me matters. Man, I have mentors and coaches that are extremely important to me and I recognize this, this special connection that we have. And when I see them, when I'm with them and I'm spending time with them, there's just this special thing going on. They may not even recognize it. They may, they may not even notice it. But they're extremely important to me. So I can completely get how this guy, man, he didn't want to run off into Jerusalem hopping and skipping and jumping. He wanted to stay with these men. He wanted to be with them. He was clinging to them. He was holding on. And, and, and I don't blame him. I think we would have done the same thing. But look what happens. It, it's a natural thing. It's, it's a natural thing because it, it, as he's clinging to them, w- without even meaning to, he begins to give testimony to what's happened in his life. I mean, imagine. Imagine if he had run out into the streets of Jerusalem, hopping and skipping and just saying, hey, these two guys back there, they healed me and just kept on going. Well, that had been much different than him standing there in front of all of these people that had seen him every day at the temple begging and with his broken, jacked up legs. Now he's standing there hanging on to these guys that had made this change in his life inadvertently giving witness or testimony to what was happening. Something similar has happened to me, and I I just, it's it's an amazing thing when you begin to see it, and it it happens. We went to Nicaragua. It was my second, I'd been to Nicaragua several times on different mission trips, and it was the second year I had gone. We were in this village, and it was just, it, it blew me away as we saw it begin to unfold, because we went, and we would build these houses, and as we build the houses, it was our intent to share the gospel, and that was the I'm just going to tell you, I, I wasn't there to build houses. I mean, I'm not a carpenter. I'm not a construction worker. I don't know how to lay bricks. I don't mind doing physical labor, but it, I, I went because I wanted to tell people about Jesus. That was my whole desire to go. And so every time I'd get a chance, I'd talk with people about Jesus. I'd get an interpreter, and, and we would try to share about the story of Jesus, what Jesus did, and why they needed him and things like that. And over and over and over, the, we, we, we saw it happen this year, and it was an amazing thing. Because people would, would come to trust in Jesus and it would change their life so radically, even in that moment, that they would run off and they would get a friend and they'd bring that friend back to the person that had just told them about Jesus. Not, not even really intending to be a witness for Jesus, just so excited about what had happened in their life that they were running off and getting excited. You need to tell him about this. This is, this is radical. This has changed me and I already know it. It's like I was blind and couldn't see. It was like I was deaf and couldn't hear. And all of a sudden, everything makes sense. I want him to know. I want my friend to know. And so that's exactly what's happening with this guy. He's standing there holding on to Peter and John. And he's just smiling ear to ear. Standing on his own two feet. These are the guys that did it. And these people are standing around looking at them utterly astounded. And Peter, he's like, 
Well, here's the time. Perfect opportunity. God's power built for me a platform to preach from. And I'm going to take it. So that's what he does. In verse 12, he says, When Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Peter, he does this amazing thing here. Before he really gets into the depth of his message, he says, all right, wait a minute. You guys are looking at us as if we did this. As if in some way we have the power to do this. As, as, As if we can just turn around and do it to you because we feel like it. But don't look at us that way. You see, he sets for us this beautiful example. Every one of us have, as believers in Jesus Christ, have an amazing story to be told. We have the amazing work of God in us. We have his Holy Spirit bearing fruit in our lives. We have things happening in us that we recognize are definitely his work. If you don't, you might ask, are you a believer? But as believers, this is the case. There should be growth. There should be, over time of a time of your life, you should be able to look back and, and be able to see how God has worked and things he's done. And so often we have opportunities to share about these good things that are going on or we have opportunity to do physical works that are good for people that affect and impact people's lives. And when they start patting us on the back and giving us those compliments, many times we just act all goofy and just say, oh yeah, thanks, no problem. And just take the credit. Peter wasn't about to do that. Peter believed so mightily in Jesus Christ. Peter's faith was so real. He believed in Jesus. And he believed that he didn't heal that man, but he believed that Jesus healed that man. And as these people looked at him in John, he wanted them to know it wasn't us. We didn't do it. Jesus deserves the credit. And that's the whole point of how the message begins to unfold. That's the whole point of why he begins to preach. He says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of him. I'm sorry, in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, he has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Now, Peter, he he wants people to understand. He's all about people understanding, I didn't do this. But he doesn't doesn't just say, hey, this guy Jesus. He's very specific, and he begins to preach to them in a way that they are going to understand it, that they're going to get it. First, he ties it into their faith. He identifies the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. This is the God that all these Israelites held to. This is the one that they had been following. This is the one that they had received the law from. This is the one that they trusted in. This is the one that they believed in. This God that you've always trusted and you thought you knew what he was doing and you thought you were following him well, this God... The God of your forefathers, the God that your nation has claimed, the God that chose your people... This God, he's chosen Jesus. 
He's anointed Jesus. Jesus is his guy. Jesus is the one he glorified. He takes it and he spins it and he helps him see that this God that you've always trusted in, you may not have known as well as you thought you knew. Jesus, you remember, the the guy that you brought to Pilate, the guy that, that, that you denied, the guy that you thought was somebody else and you didn't want him, you didn't like him. That, that Jesus, you know, just a few, few weeks ago, about a month ago, you guys took him to Pilate and denied him. And when Pilate tried to release him, you said, we don't want him. So Jesus was the holy one, the righteous one, the author of life. That guy, you denied. And you know what you did instead? You picked a killer. His name is Barabbas. Holy One. Jesus was the Holy One. He was the one chosen by God, set apart by God, decided upon by God as the one that was to come, that was to be sent. Righteous, meaning that He was pure, without sin. He didn't deserve to be denied. He didn't deserve to be killed. He didn't deserve what He was getting. Author of life, meaning that Jesus is the one, the the source of life. He's the one that gives it. He's the one that enables it. It's, It's of Him and for Him and to Him. And yet you picked a guy like Barabbas. Hear the irony. Jesus, holy, righteous, author of life. Barabbas, unholy. In fact, opposed to God. Filthy with sin. A murderer. A destroyer of life. You see the, you see, you see the irony? This people who, who belonged to God, who, who supposedly knew God and followed God and trusted in God and said that they, that they knew what God was doing and said that they had God's answers and said that they knew God's truth. These, these, these people that, that were supposed to, to have it all, to, to be able to understand it, to be able to see it, to be able to get it. They denied the one that God sent. And chose the exact opposite. We don't want your holy, righteous author of life. We'd rather have this unholy, sinful destroyer of life. Now, we can't be too hard on them. I mean, the reality is, is that we likely would have picked Barabbas too. We, 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 we act the way we do, not because that we are just excited about being sinful people. It's not like we just get up in the morning and say, I just want to make God mad today and I just want to... The world doesn't think that way. They are who they are because of their very nature. They act the way they do because of their very nature. And these people were blind to themselves. They, 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 they were blind. They couldn't see it. They couldn't get it. They couldn't understand it. Here's Peter. He, he's showing them. He's revealing to them, hey, this guy... That you denied, God, God said this is the one. He's the one, and you know what? It's because of him that this man is healed today. In fact, in verse 16, we need to stop and take a closer look at it just by itself. Because in verse 16, we, we, we really see the, the climax or the crux of what Peter was preaching for. I mean, the, the reason he began to preach was to prove to these guys it wasn't us. 
We didn't do it. It's not our power. It's not, it's not our work. We don't deserve the credit. And so when he comes to this passage, to this, this phrase that we see in verse 16, he gives the answer. He helps them see that, that this guy, he's, that this Jesus of Nazareth, he's chosen of God. He was God's man. In fact, it's him that healed this guy. And in verse 16, as you read it, as we read it in the ESV, it's, it's difficult to see, it's difficult to understand, it's wood and it's hard to, hard to get. If you read it in some other translations like the NIV and some of the others, when they translate it, they leave words out to try and make it smooth and, under, and, and, and understandable and so we don't get the full depth of it. But the NASB... And I know for you NASB fans, you're going to be excited that I'm referring to this. Um, But the the NASB does a really good job of translating this verse and leaving everything intact so that we can get it and see it and and see how it it flows and what it means. So let me me read it to you in, in the NASB. Verse 16 says, And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see now. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. The power and authority, the the work that was done was all because of the name of Jesus. That's exactly what that verse is saying. The power that did this is not from me, it's not from John, it's in the name of Jesus. Of Jesus. It wasn't as if Peter was standing up there and saying, in the name of Jesus Christ, as if he was quoting or, or reciting some magical incantation. It wasn't like he was standing up there and saying, abracadabra, hocus pocus, hocus pocus. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like he was making up this thing. But there is real power, ultimate power in the name of Jesus. And, and what that essentially demonstrates to us is that the, the, in the name of Jesus is, is, is taking and accepting his authority. It's living in his power and, and living by his will. And when we speak in that way, there's real power associated with it. Real power to bring real change. Real power to do real work. Lasting, eternal work in the name of Jesus. There's nothing else in this world that offers that. And so as Peter's standing there, he's like, this guy that you guys denied, God chose He was righteous, he was holy, he's the author of life, and it's by his name that this man stands before you healed. It's by the power that's in him that he is healed. And it's really interesting because it also shows us that it wasn't as if this guy was just laying by the temple door and just happened to be in the right place so that a breeze of Jesus' power just happened to hit him that day. It wasn't like the winds of change came along and just transformed him. It didn't happen that way. You see, in verse 16, we see it's on the basis of faith in his name. That it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. You see, here's what happened. Jesus' power, the, the authority, the, 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 the work, the power to bring real change was directed by the faith of his people. You see, it doesn't say here that this man believed in Jesus and got healed. That's not what this verse says. I do believe there's resulting faith because of the work that was done. 
The power came from Jesus. But it was directed by the faith of Peter and John. That man was healed that day because Peter and John believed that man could be healed that day. Because they believed in the power of Jesus' name. And let me, let me just bring some personal application. We all say we believe in Jesus. And how he saves and changes us, right? The faith that we have, it's not meant just for us. You see, that same faith that says to us that Jesus saved us is the same faith, is the same faith that should send us that should help us direct the power of Jesus to bring real change. The winds of change, that's junk. But God has chosen to distribute his power through the faith of his people. As a believer... As a believer in Jesus Christ, as one who trusts in him for life, your faith can pour out God's power on people. He can change their life. But it's not you that does it. It's not as if Peter and John could stand there there and say, hey, it's our faith that makes it happen. It's because of us that it happened. No, they understood that they were just conduits, that they were just a directive flow, that, that because they believed it, they told this man about it, and they, gave, they, they talked to him with authority, and they gave him this message, and they gave him this gift. But they understood that it all came from Jesus. They didn't believe in themselves at all. They didn't trust in what they had to offer at all. I don't have anything for you. But Jesus does. So in his name, get up and walk. And that guy's legs straightened out and became strong. And he stood up, having never walked a day in his life. And he ran and he jumped and he celebrated and he worshiped and he praised. Jesus' power bringing real change. Now, like I said, I I do believe this guy came to faith. I I think that the last part of that verse really kind of points to this resulting faith because of the power that was poured out on him. I believe that as you look at the end of that verse, it says, um, and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health. I think that that's pointing to a resulting faith that happened in this man, that as the power of God was poured out on him, as he experienced it, he was given faith and he believed And he was saved. Not only was his body healed, but that his whole life was healed. And that he became a a man of God. I, I have no doubt that that's what it's referring to. But it started with Peter. Now we had to to stop and take a look at that and, and get that understanding. Because this really is the crux of what we're here to think about today. And what I want you to get today. Peter, that morning he got up and he went to the temple. Not to follow in a tradition that he'd always followed in. Peter got up and went to the temple that morning because he believed in Jesus and he was praying to God, his father, who he had real relationship with through Jesus Christ, the son. Peter, that morning, looked at that guy and said, I don't have silver and gold for you, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up up and walk because he believed that Jesus could do this work. Jesus, or Peter began to preach about Jesus as he saw these people standing and looking at him, not because he thought it was just a cool message, 
But because he believed in Jesus, that Jesus could do more than heal broken legs, but that he could put broken hearts back together and bring reconciliation between the Father and his people. See, Peter believed it. He didn't just believe it, he trusted in it. You know, we throw that word believe around like it's, it doesn't mean a lot anymore today because of the way we use it. But when you believe in something, if, if it's real faith, if you're really trusting in something, then their, their action flows out of that. You can't just say, oh, I believe this is true and it never be acted on. There's all kind of things we have knowledge of. There's all kind of things that we know about. But they never change us. They never impact the way we live. They never do anything for the way we make choices or, or what we do in our life. But Peter believed this. He trusted it so deeply that he ordered his life around it. And that morning when he got up and he went, he wasn't going, thinking, well, how can I be praised today? Because he, because he knew himself. Because he believed in Jesus. And he knew that Jesus was the one to be worshipped. And that Jesus was the one worthy to be praised. And that Jesus was the one that deserved the credit for everything. And so he went to the temple believing in Jesus. He healed this man believing in Jesus. And he turned around and he looked at a crowd of people that were utterly astounded and who wanted to give him all the praise and all the credit for doing this work. You are a mighty man. And he says, it wasn't me. Because he believed in Jesus. And he didn't stop. He didn't stop and say, well, it was Jesus' name. He continued to explain. You know why? You know why he continued to explain and continued to move towards a place where he called these people to repent and believe in Jesus? Because he believed in Jesus. Because he trusted that that was what he was supposed to do. He trusted that that was what Jesus would have him do. He trusted in what needed to happen. And so he, get, he continues and he, he starts talking in verse 17. He says, I know, brothers, that you acted in ignorance. He wasn't being harsh with them in the sense of, hey, you guys screwed up. He was being very direct. He was letting them see how they had set them in, themselves in opposition to God. I mean, remember, here they had chosen somebody else other than Jesus. They, get, get rid of that guy. We want our killer. We want our, we, 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 we want our murderer. We want the one that is a destroyer of life. We like him better. Get rid of that other dude. He's bothering us. He, he's not doing what we want him to do. He's not teaching us what we want to hear. Let's, let's get rid of him. And in so doing, they set themselves in opposition to God. And so all of a sudden, he demonstrates to them... They're on the wrong side. Oh, you said you were following God. But you denied Him. You said you trusted in God. But you tried to rid yourself of Him. You said you knew the God of life. But you'd rather have a murderer. And in so doing, they were confronted with the reality that they had set themselves in opposition to God to the very God that they claimed, to the very God that they said they believed in, to the very God that, that, that had chosen this people. He says, but you know what? I understand. I, I understand. You, you didn't do it with knowledge. I, you, you didn't really get it. You didn't really see who he was. You, you couldn't understand. You did it with ignorance. It's, it's not like he was saying, hey, you're stupid. He didn't say, you're idiots. You know, he wasn't harsh and mean and demeaning. Saying you're, you were doing it in ignorance. You didn't have an understanding of it. You didn't have an education of it. You, you missed it. You weren't able to see it. I mean, really, that's kind of what I was saying before. 
people act out of the very nature that they are. I mean, we, we sin because we're sinners. We don't wake up one morning and decide to sin and become sinners. We're born that way. Ask our new parents. Our, our kids, as they're born, are the most selfish, self-centered. The whole world is about me. I want what I want, and I want it now. That's what, that's what they are. They're evil. We love them to death. But they're evil. That's the truth. They're born that way. You don't have to teach a child to lie. They're doing it immediately. As soon as they can begin to speak, they're figuring out how to cover up the trouble that they cause. My hand's in the cookie jar. What are you doing getting a cookie? Oh, I'm, not doing it. I'm not getting a cookie. We don't have to teach kids that. It doesn't help when we do teach them that. But they figure that out on their own. We don't have to tell them to cross boundaries. We don't have to tell them to break rules. Have you ever told your child not to touch something hot because you care about them? And yet they want to reach up and touch the stove because he told me not to. i got to touch it now. But they don't know any better. I mean, these people, what these people did was essentially, it's, it's like a little kid maybe. You know, you could walk up to a little kid who has this crumpled up, dirty, wrinkled up, broken looking $20 bill and say, here, let me trade you. Here's a shiny brand new quarter. It probably wouldn't be hard at all to make that trade because he wouldn't understand the value. He wouldn't get it. He wouldn't understand it. He's ignorant to it. That's what these people did. They tossed Jesus aside not knowing any better. Because that's who they were. And Peter confronts them in their own opposition of God. He says, this is what you've done. You have set yourself on another team. You, you, you've proved that you, are, you yourselves are opposed to God. But what God foretold, this is verse 18, but what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Jesus is the fulfillment of all the prophecies that have been given in, in, about him. Repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out, that times of freshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he, he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. You see, here it is. He says, You have set yourselves in opposition to God by, benign, by, by denying Jesus. But repent, change your mind about him. Recognize your, how wrong you were and change your mind and turn back and trust in Him. Accept Him and, and, and reach out to Him and, and say, you know what, I, I, I know I was wrong. I, I should have never picked Barabbas. And, and I knew that I was, I, I know now that I was an idiot. I know now that I was doing something stupid. I know now that, that, that it was wrong. And trust in Him, trust in Jesus, that times of refreshing may come. <clears throat> whom heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So Jesus had to go back to heaven until everything is finished. And in that time, Jesus is going to come when the time is right. But he says this, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it, should be, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him all proclaimed these days. And so what he's saying is that this is what God has been saying all along. 
From the very time of Moses, from, from all of the prophets, those that came before him and came after him, all of these prophets, all of these people have been saying that Jesus was going to come. And the one that doesn't believe in this prophet Jesus, the one that came that was, was the fulfillment of Moses, the ones that don't listen to him, that don't trust in him, that don't believe in him, that won't follow him, that, that disobey him, they're going to be destroyed. They're going to be removed. They're going to be taken away from the people. Because you are the sons of the prophets <clears throat> and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. You know, ultimately, what Peter is saying here is simply that Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. He's the one that God has been saying would come He's the fulfillment of what Moses said that God was going to send a a, a prophet like him. He's the fulfillment of all that was supposed to happen. Jesus is the one that that we must trust in or be condemned. Peter believed that. You know why I know he believed it? Because he staked his life on it. At risk to himself, he stood in the middle of the temple... This is really amazing if you think about it because in the midst of of, of this place that was completely Jewish, I mean, it was very Jewish. And they, th- this was the, the place where they met God. This was something they would have died to protect. This location, this physical place. In the midst of the temple, Peter's standing up and preaching Jesus. Knowing that it's not necessarily going to result in good things for him. Knowing that it's at risk. But because he believes it, it matters. He acts on it. He does something because of it. Peter believed it. You see, there's some very similar language in John. In John chapter 3, in fact, most of you know John 3.16. I would imagine that if I asked you to recite it, I, we could go around the room and every one of you could probably recite John 3.16. But a lot of us don't know what comes right after that in verses 17 and 18. John 3.17 and 18 says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he's not believed in the name of of the only Son of God. Moses prophesied over a thousand years earlier. There's going to be a prophet that comes, and you've got to listen to that prophet, because if you don't listen to that prophet, if you don't trust him, if you don't follow him, if you don't become obedient to him, you will be condemned. Jesus reiterates, hey, I was sent so that people could have eternal life. If they believe in me, they can have eternal life. The Son of Man didn't come. To condemn. But if you don't believe in me, you're condemned already. Peter believed that. And he believed that as he looked at those people who were utterly astounded at this work that had been done, he believed that if they didn't come to a place where they trusted in Jesus Christ, they would be condemned. Forever separated from God. Forever and eternally separated, condemned to be apart from him. He believed it. 
And he believed that it was only through Jesus that this could be changed. He believed that it was only in the power in the name of Jesus that this could be changed. And he preached and he proclaimed the name of Jesus because he believed it. Let me ask you, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe that you only have life because Jesus gave it to you? Do you only, do you know, do you trust, do you believe that you only have hope in in, in the forever after with God because Jesus saved you? Do you believe that it is by His power that you are saved and that it is by His power that you are kept safe and it is by His power that you are changed and that it is by His power that you have hope and that it is by His power that you are are cleansed and renewed and it is by His power that you see God's work in you? Do you believe it? Do you believe? Let me ask you. Do you acknowledge it? Do you trust it? Is it something that's just floating out there in this, in this place that's just maybe not something you think about every day? Or does it really inform the decisions of your life? Does it really change the way you act in the world? Does it really make a difference of how you get up and go out every morning? You see, we were saved and made holy by God. And then we were told by Him to live a holy life. You see, the faith that we have, the belief, that trust, it's not some ideological thing that just floats around up here in our gray matter. Our faith should move us. It should inform the decisions of our life. It should make a difference in the way we make choices. It should change our perspectives. So let me ask you again. Do you believe it? Do you trust this? And if you're sitting inside of yourself and you're saying with a resounding yes... then I ask you to challenge yourself. Can I see the fruit of that in my life? Can I see the results of that faith in Jesus and the power that he brings in the way I live, in the things I involve myself with, in the ways I spend my money, in the way I spend my time, in how I'm entertained, in what I find joy in? Are those things different? And really, if I believe that the only hope that all of humanity has is Jesus, shouldn't I be telling someone, even if it's at risk to me? What if they don't like me? What if I don't have friends because of it? And I used to struggle with this when I was young in the faith and struggling with having children and wanting to make sure that they were brought up with the knowledge of Jesus Christ and and praying for their salvation. 
wanting their life to look totally different than mine, one of the great struggles I had was not wanting them to be ostracized in the world, but knowing that if I pulled them out of the world, that they lost that, that, that influence would be lost in the world. Struggling with this idea that people might, might, might make fun of them because they were Christians. I didn't struggle with that myself so much, but, but I became convicted and convinced that maybe we need to experience some of that. Maybe our faith needs to be tested a little bit. Maybe our faith needs to be challenged. If you're not willing to sit in it like you're sitting in those chairs, then you might need to challenge your own faith. Peter believed this. And he spoke with authority and power to see that man healed. And Jesus' power healed that man through the faith of Peter. And Peter believed it. And he preached. And he brought people to a place of gospel conflict. He showed them how they had set themselves at odds with God. In the midst, on, on their home turf, on their home court. You guys have denied him. Because he believed it. And because he believed it, he showed them the way to experience it themselves. And he says, now you repent and believe it too. Trust in him that times of refreshing may come. Because at the right time, Jesus will come back. At the right time, this is all going to be completed. And if you want to know Jesus... If you want to be with Jesus, if you, want to, if you want to be with your God, this is the only way. You see, this is what happened. This, this, is, this is what it was all about. As the gospel moved, as it, as it began, as it continued to move into Jerusalem, as it began and the church was planted in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it continued to move into Jerusalem, and it continued to just bring power of, of Jesus into Jerusalem. And you know what? The way to Jerusalem... The, the, the way that they were reaching Jerusalem, the, the way that the gospel was brought there is the very same way that the gospel needs to be brought to Springfield. There is no difference. You and I have faith in Jesus Christ, right? You want to see Jesus' power at work in Springfield? You want to see... I, I mean, we got some good churches. Don't hear me wrong. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. There's good churches doing good things in Springfield. But there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people that have a misconception of who Jesus is. And they have trusted in a lie. And they have hoped in other things. The very way that the gospel was brought to Jerusalem is the very way we need to bring it to Springfield. You want to see the power of God at work in Springfield? You believe. And you act on that faith. You trust it. And you act on it. And you live your life according to it. And God's power will move through you. And it will bring lasting change. Eternal change. Do you believe it? Let's pray. Father.
I do pray that right now you would just help us set aside the lies we like to tell ourselves, that you would help us to look at ourselves as we really are, speak honestly to ourselves. Show us the weakness of our faith. Show us that maybe all too often we're standing in our own power or or trusting in our own devices, our own methods, our own hopes and desires. Give us strength and courage and a boldness to walk in faith, to trust in the name of your son, Jesus, in, in, in whose name there is power, by whose authority it comes to us. Father, help us not just to pick up a law and just follow a set of rules. Oh, I got to do this, this so many times a day to make you happy. Help us to not just, just stand in some set, of, some set of actions and just try to prove ourselves to you, but help us to continue to, even in the weakness of our faith and even as our faith grows, just to continue to rest in the grace that you have bestowed on us. The grace that says we can believe. The grace that says that that belief can make a difference in our life and in the lives of other people. The grace that sent your son that allows his power, your power, to make a difference. Father, I pray for each and every one of us that as we go into this week, as we move into our week, as, as soon as we walk out the door, in fact, as, as, as we're sitting here now, that through the power of your Spirit, you would change our minds. That you would help us to repent of everything that we trust in. That we, you would help us to turn from it and trust only in your Son. And that we would walk out of here walking in light of your truth and in your power. As, as we go into, into the, our afternoon, that, that we would go believing that we have opportunity to trust you and to lead others to trust you. And, and, and that you would give us opportunity to speak the name of Jesus. I pray, God, I pray for this. I ask you that you give each one of us this week an opportunity to share the truth of your love. And that we would be confronted by the conviction that faith leads us to move and that we would share. And that we would proclaim the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that you do this work in us. And Father, when the results come from that, that we would follow Peter in his example. And that we wouldn't stand up and act as if we'd done something special. But that we would give you the praise and honor and glory you deserve. I pray now, Father, that you would work through your spirit in us and through us. It's all these things I pray in Jesus' name.
Amen. To a place where it's time to respond. And I know as it started out, maybe it didn't seem like this is going to be a heavy thing to deal with. But I have no doubt when you're challenged in your own faith and whether it's real or not, it becomes very heavy if you're willing to stop and really think about it. I want you to feel the weight of this. You need to feel the weight of this. If you don't see fruit in your life, if you can't see how God has changed you in some way over time, you need to ask yourself, have I ever trusted? And you need to hear this now, that only through the name of Jesus do you have hope for life. Repent and turn to Him and believe. And you need to cry out for forgiveness. If that's the way you need to respond, you need to do it today. Don't wait. And maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I've, I've examined my faith and I think it's real. And I see the power of what God's done in me. Well, let me ask you, what's he doing through you now? Because your faith isn't just for you. Your faith becomes a conduit that he might work through you in this world that we're in. So what he's chosen to do. So how is he working through you? Feel the weight. Hold this, carry it, understand. He's not going to force you into this. He's not going to make you make this choice. You are going to have to get up, and you're going to have to go out, and you're going to have to grab yourself and just say, you know what, I'm giving him the credit. He deserves it. If that's the way you need to respond, then when you get up and you go out of here, you live your life in light of the name of Jesus Christ. Maybe we're sitting here and some of you are just excited and ecstatic because you know what Jesus is doing in you and through you. For that, we praise God. And we need to worship and we need to adore Him and we need to love on Him in our songs and the words that we say and in the way that we live. Maybe that's what you need to do. However you need to respond, do it now. We're going to worship, we're going to sing, we're going to adore Him. But don't let this moment pass without seriously thinking about where you are and what your faith is like.